Welcome to Keep the Faith Audio Tape Ministry. This is Evangelist Lawrence Nelson bringing to you undeniable facts that will prepare you to live forever with Christ your Savior and never die. What a thrilling subject we have for study. The maid, the moon, and the monster. This is number two in this series. I hope you have your visual aids that were sent with this tape. You will need to place them before you so you can participate in moving the symbol woman as instructed. This will allow you to visualize the tremendous struggle that has taken place in past ages between God's church and the devil's paganism. This will also help you to understand the continuing battle taking place today. Now before we turn to God's Word, I must tell you that I am faced with a very serious problem. This presentation is so vast in its scope and so alarming in its nature that my heart hesitates to proclaim it. I find myself like St. Paul, who wrote in 1 Corinthians 9.16, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You may have wondered why he uttered such words, but if you will read the whole chapter, he explains that he was faced with the same situation as I am. He had to contend with two groups of individuals, those who were members of the church and those who were without the church. How could he preach the truth to church members so they would still love him when he knew they would not like what he preached? Then he thought of the other group. How could he preach to those without the church about things that they must hear in order to be saved when he knew that some would dislike what he was about to say and reject the gospel and be lost for eternity. So here I stand like Paul when he said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Some 63 years ago, I was dedicated to God to preach the truth and nothing but the truth. I know that I shall soon have to meet my Lord in the final judgment and give an account. But being human, I dislike to dispense unpopular truth. This is why I feel as never before the need of special help. Would you bow your head with me as I talk to my Lord? My dear God, I pray thee that thou wilt help me to preach the truth fearlessly. Please touch the hearts of these dear listeners so they will accept and obey thy divine truth. In the name of Jesus I ask, Amen. Our subject 
the maid, the moon, and the monster. These prophetic wonders must be understood by all. We will find that Jesus Christ has revealed each in detail. Please take your visual aid chart that you have before you of the beasts and locate beast number six, which is called Papal Rome. Now you are ready to notice each detail as I read Revelation chapter 13. I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. In tape number one of this series, we discovered from God's Word and from history that this beast of Revelation 13 is a cartoon of the papacy as revealed by Jesus himself. For he warns, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark, in his forehead, we are told that they will be destroyed in the lake of fire. You will find that in Revelation 14, 9 and 10. So this is the most serious warning recorded in God's holy word. We love our Catholic friends, and this is why we have produced these tapes. We wish that all of them would learn of God's last warning message. We also love our Protestant friends. We want them to be in heaven. In fact, we want everybody to become acquainted with the alarming facts from God's Word, which we are about to uncover. Many years ago, when this world began, the vast majority of the people on earth decided that they didn't want to obey God. Since man was created to worship God, these pagans decided to find something else they could worship instead of God. They chose to worship the creation rather than the Creator. As they looked around about them, they beheld the sun in the heavens, the S-U-N, the most powerful giant of all God's created acts. Should the sun ever leave them or stop giving of its heat, the world would freeze up and they would all die. They also noticed that every spring 
the sun made it possible to have an abundance of food to help them live through another year. So they said, the sun will be our God. We will worship the S-U-N. And being human, they said, our God needs a wife. As they looked up at night and saw that beautiful moon, these pagans said, the moon will be the wife of our sun god. Thus, they worshipped the sun and the moon. They saw the sky filled with millions of stars and said, these are the children of our gods. We will worship the stars also. I'm speaking plainly today. Thousands of so-called Christians are still following these pagan traditions by believing in astrology. They are making decisions in their lives according to what star they were born under. All such pagan worship is called mythology. You recall in tape number one, we studied the four beasts of or kingdoms which came up out of the water, which represented people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. As the winds blew upon the waters, the Bible reveals the wind to represent wars by which each beast or nation was destroyed and another took its place. Now, look at beast number two, which represents Babylon, the lion. You will find it in your chart. It came into existence in 606 BC and ruled the world, but it was overcome by Medo-Persia, the bear, in 538 BC. See beast number three. Since Babylon was composed of three provinces, Babylon, Lydia, and Egypt, God pictured the bear with three ribs, which it devoured. God predicted something else. You will notice that the bear lifted itself up on one side. So the Persians overthrew the Medes and ruled the world. But that didn't last for long. God said the next world power would be Greece. Look at your chart and find beast number four, the leopard. It would come into existence very quickly, as pictured with four wings. In just 12 years, Alexander the Great conquered the world, but he died young at the age of 33. Then his four generals, Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy ruled the empire concurrently. This is why the leopard had four heads. Isn't it wonderful that hundreds of years before these events happened, God foretold exactly what would take place. 
Next, the Bible tells us that Greece would go down and Rome would take his place. Now at this point, please focus your attention on beast number five. You are looking at the monster, the Roman Empire, which ruled the world in 168 BC. This was the time when Jesus was born into the world and was crucified on a Roman cross, the symbol of the sun god. Now consider this fact. There was one universal Babylon, one universal Persia, one universal Greece, and one universal Rome. But this would change. This kingdom of Rome would be divided. God predicted it would separate into ten kingdoms. And that is why he pictures this beast having ten horns. And it happened exactly as God said. Rome was divided into ten kingdoms in the year 476 A.D. God further told us that these, that three of these ten horns would be destroyed by a little horn who would then rule over the other seven kingdoms that were left. And this happened in the year 538 A.D. And there is no question about it. God said it would take place. History has verified it. And the church admits it. Let me read of this prediction from the Bible. I'm reading Daniel 7, 24 and 25. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise. And another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first. And he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given unto his hand unto a time, times, and a dividing of time. In the scripture, God gives us specific details. The little horn would be diverse or of a spiritual power, destroying three of the ten kingdoms. Furthermore, it would blaspheme and it would claim to be God on earth. And it would remove the second commandment that forbids image worship. And it would rule the world for 1260 years and persecute God's children. Speaking of persecutions, may I read a paragraph from history? I am reading from the rise of the Dutch Republic upon February 16, 1568, a sentence of the Holy Office, that's the papacy, condemned all the inhabitants 
of the Netherlands to death as heretics. Now, can you envision a power so great that he could say, I'm going to wipe out a whole nation? I continue to read. From this universal doom, only a few persons, especially named, were accepted. A proclamation of the king, dated ten days later, confirmed this decree of the Inquisition and ordered it to be carried out into instant execution, without regard to age, sex, and children. This is the most concise death warrant that had ever been framed. Three million people, men, women, and children were sentenced to the scaffold. This book was written by John Lathrop Mothley, and the information I have just given to you is taken from the book, Part 2, Chapter 2, Paragraph 12, Volume 1, page 226. Did you know that this power was so great in the 15th century, that it could destroy by one command three million people. So don't be surprised when history records that the papacy destroyed about 150 million during the Dark Ages. Where did the Church of Rome get such mighty power to do such evil? I'll read it to you from the Bible. The answer is found in Revelation 13, verse 4, which says, The dragon gave him his power. Now, look at your chart of beasts, and look up beast number one, the dragon. Do I hear you say, who is this dragon? Well, listen carefully. I'll read the answer in Revelation 12, verses 7 to 9. There was war in heaven. What? War in heaven? <laughs> you had better believe it. The Bible says that Michael, who is Christ, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevail not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. Oh, beloved, God is telling us that it was the devil that gave his power to this beast. I am not saying it. God is saying it. Now let's take a closer look at this dragon as God describes him. Notice the details of the dragon in beast number one on your chart. I am reading Revelation 12, 3 and 9. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns 
and seven crowns upon his heads, was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Now, where do we find such an event taking place in the Bible? We turn to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and read in chapter 3, Now the serpent, which God says is the devil, spoke to Eve, Yea, hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now what is taking place? The same war that took place in heaven is now continuing on this earth. The devil, who was cast out of heaven, came down to earth, and he starts the same war on this earth that he fought in heaven. For Satan went to the angels in heaven and said, Does God really mean what he says? You don't have to obey God. I have a better way. But he lied. You can do as you please. Sorry to say one-third of the angels believed the devil. And when he came down out of heaven to this earth, he said to Eve, Did God say you can't eat of this tree? She knew what God had commanded, for she replied, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Here the first lie was spoken on earth. And as a result, Eve believed the devil and ate of the forbidden fruit. Then she gave it to Adam, and he ate. So both Adam and Eve were doomed to die because they disobeyed God. But the Lord loved Adam and Eve, just as he loves you and me. He didn't want them to die. So the Lord said, I am going to die in their place. So he came down from heaven to tell Adam and Eve the good news. The Lord took a lamb and made a sacrifice and said, As this lamb dies, I am going to be the Lamb of God to die for you in your place so you can live. Now, isn't that a wonderful Savior? How different God is from the dragon. The dragon would never die for you. He wants you to die with him. So, the Son of God went and talked to the serpent and said, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And then, speaking to Satan, he said unto him, 
I will put enmity between thee, that's Satan, and the woman. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Now, he wasn't talking about Eve. He was talking about his church. For you read in Revelations 12, 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Now this is a good place to reach for the visual aid which pictures a pure woman as God's true church. Place it temporarily before you, and notice that the woman is standing upon the moon for there is no light in the moon, only as it reflects, is reflected from the sun. No longer do you have to kill a lamb to receive forgiveness, as commanded in the Old Testament. This is in the past. The old Jewish church ordinances are no more. The sunlight of the New Testament gospel is shining forth with the stars of the Twelve Apostles. A pure woman in Scripture represents his church. In Jeremiah 6.2 I read, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. And who is Zion? In Isaiah 51.16 we read, Say unto Zion, Thou art my people. And so from the very beginning of time, God used the symbol of a pure woman in contrast with the dragon power of paganism. This is clearly revealed in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thee, that Satan's church of paganism, and the woman, God's true church. And what is enmity? It is war. There's going to be a struggle between the dragon and the woman. There's going to be bloodshed. These two spiritual powers will be at war with each other just as they were in heaven. Now before we continue, Take the visual aid of the pure woman and place it over which is Babylon. This will help you to see that an actual fight is taking place between the dragon power and God's people. The war that was in heaven is going to continue on this earth. Let's see if this is what happened. In Genesis, the fourth chapter, verse 1, we read that Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain. She also bore another son, Abel. These two sons were vastly different. Abel loved the animals. He liked to take care of the sheep, and Cain chose the garden. He liked to grow vegetables. Both boys were sinners, 
For the Bible declares all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 Feeling the guilt of sin, these boys wanted to be forgiven. So they came to the Garden of Eden, where those celestial beings were guarding the tree of life, and they each built an altar for a sacrifice. Abel brought a lamb, just as God had said, but Cain brought of his vegetables, which God did not ask. They both knelt down and asked God to forgive them. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured the sacrifice of Abel. And when Cain saw that God would not accept his sacrifice, which was a counterfeit, he became angry and he killed his brother Abel. What did God say? I will put enmity or war between thee and the woman. And this war has continued down through the ages, as we shall discover. Now, what have we learned thus far? An undeniable fact. You can never pawn off on God a substitute. God will never accept a counterfeit. I must state this again. You cannot pawn off on God a substitute. Sure, Cain had an offering. He also had an altar. He even asked for forgiveness for his sins. But you can't pawn off a substitute on God. God will never accept a counterfeit. The Bible plainly said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 and Cain could not produce blood from vegetables. When Cain disobeyed God, he decided to leave the presence of the Lord. For scripture states in Genesis 4.16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. And so we have two sides at war in this world. Let's think this thing through. The woman's side is the church of God, composed of those which the Bible calls the sons of God. But on the devil's side, the Bible designates as the sons of man, which are composed of pagans. God's church was located at that time in the Garden of Eden, and the devil's church was founded in the land of Nod. God's church was composed of men like Abel, Seth, Enos, Mahalaleah, Enoch, Methuselah, and Noah, who worshipped and obeyed the true God, sacrificing a lamb which represented Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away their sins. But those on the dragon's side, like Cain, went to the land of Nod, and these followers of paganism were called the Antediluvians, 
who sacrifice their precious little children to their sun god, the S-U-N. Such wickedness became so terrible that God said, I will destroy the world with a flood. Immediately after the flood, the dragon power continued with Nimrod, who lived in Ur of the Chaldees, where the Tower of Babel was built. This is where the kingdom of Babylon developed into the first empire of the world. Here they worshipped the S-U-N in Baal worship, the dragon's counterfeit religion. But on the woman's side, there was a man called Abraham, whom God called out of the land of the Chaldeans and directed him to the land of Cana, where his descendants built the city of Jerusalem. Here they worshipped the S-O-N, the Son of God. Now please move the woman in your chart to cover beast number three. As God predicted, wars now often existed between Babylon and Jerusalem, making it possible for paganism to actually invade Jerusalem. We read of this in 2 Kings 23, verse 5. The kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places and in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the planets, and to the host of heaven. Thus you see the battle between paganism and God's church is continuing. Because God's people took part in such apostasy, God permitted the king of Babylon to take them captive to the city of Babylon so they might learn not to worship other gods. But ere long, Babylon crumbled before Medo-Persia, to which the dragon now gave his power to the Medes and the Persians. Now please move the visual aid of the woman to cover beast number four, the bear. So the war between the dragon and the woman continues. This was the time of Queen Esther, when a fellow by the name of Haman devised a plan to destroy all of God's people in one day. But God raised up Esther, who not only saved the Jews, but made it possible to, to destroy thousands of the pagans. Remember what God said to Satan in Eden? I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Since the dragon power had now been given to Persia, this new empire continued to fight God's people. But as time continued, Persia was overthrown by Greece. Now move the woman to cover beast number five, 
thus revealing the continued war between the dragon power and God's church. This was the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. He went into the temple of Jerusalem and placed his own garrison of soldiers in the temple of God. And as if that was not enough, he dedicated God's sanctuary to the gods of Olympus. In order to further desecrate the Jewish faith, he took all the vessels of the temple and dipped them into a great bath of swine's blood. He knew full well that there was nothing more repugnant to the Jews than swine. Continuing the insult, he then had his soldiers smear the swine's blood over all the walls of the sanctuary. He even brought sun worship, that is, Baal worship, into Jerusalem. This was the time of the Apocryphal, which was developed by the dragon, consisting of some 14 books, which you will find in the Catholic Bible, all of which are contrary to God's word. Thus, the great battle between truth and error continues. Now, please move the woman to cover beast number six. I believe you're beginning to get a picture of the continued battle between Satan and God's true church. Next came the pagan Roman Empire, in which the dragon power became so mighty he decided to take the life of Christ, which he was unable to do in heaven. We read of this in Revelation 12. A woman, clothed with a son, and she being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. The devil actually tried to kill the baby Jesus as soon as he was born. You remember that the Roman emperor of Rome, Caesar Augustus, who received his power from the dragon, was now in a position to tax all the world. You cannot tax all the world unless you can control all the world. Let me read it to you in Luke 2. And it came to pass in those days, there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This is why Joseph and Mary went down to Bethlehem to be taxed and where Jesus was born. But Herod heard about the baby Jesus. Who was Herod? Herod ruled under Caesar Augustus and sent his soldiers down there and killed every babe in Bethlehem. You know the story. It was the dragon standing before the woman, ready to devour her child as soon as it was born. But an angel of God told Joseph and Mary to take the child and flee to Egypt. Thus continued the war between the devil and the woman, for the scripture says he was a murderer 
from the beginning. John 8:44. Satan, having failed to kill the baby Jesus, now decided to crucify Christ on his pagan cross. He captures the Jewish priests with his pagan traditions so that they rejected their savior and accepted Caesar as their king. And together, they crucified the Son of God on a pagan cross in 31 AD, which was the very symbol of sun worship. Are you catching the picture of this war between truth and error? Let me read again what God said would take place in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity, that's war, between thee and the woman. And now take note, between thy seed and her seed. It's time for a great change in how this war is to be fought. When the devil crucified our Lord, Jesus died and was buried. As a seed is buried in the ground to sprout and bring forth a new plant, so Christ was buried and arose from the tomb to establish the Christian church. No longer need you kill a lamb to seek forgiveness. Salvation was now available to both Jews and Gentiles. In one generation, Paul states, this new gospel had gone to all the world. Thousands upon thousands believed. Here, move the symbol of the woman to cover beast number seven. For the war is to continue between papal Rome and the woman, God's true church. When the old dragon saw the growth of Christianity and his paganism diminishing, he decided to bring forth his seed. Just as he had passed his pagan religion to Babylon, then to Medo-Persia, to Greece, and finally to pagan Rome, he will now bring forth his seed, the papacy. This is why God says in Revelation 13 2, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. History tells us how this happened. As the devil saw his pagan church crumbling, he said, I am going to take my pagans and invade the Christian church, the seed of the woman. They will then be able to change the Christian faith to become like our pagan religion. Reading in history, you will find that Caesar Augustus forced his pagan soldiers to become Christians. How did he do this? He had his priests stand by the road, and when they passed by, the priests threw water on them and declared that they were now baptized Christians. But you don't make Christians in that way, for they still practiced their pagan traditions. I'm reading from the History of the Intellectual Development of Europe by John William Draper, Volume 1, page 309, New York, Harper and Brothers, 1876. The author states, such was the tendency to adulterate Christianity. Nothing distinguishes you from the pagans, except you hold your assemblies apart from them. 
And J.A. Wiley, that great historian, said, I quote, We are accustomed to speak of popery as a corrupt, corrupt form of Christianity. We concede too much. The Church of Rome bears the same relation to the Church of Christ, which the hierarchy of Baal bore to the Institute of Moses. And popery stands related to Christianity only in the same way in which paganism stood related to primeval revelation. Popery is not a corruption simply, but a transformation. It may be difficult to fix the time when it passed from one to the other, but the change is incontestable. Popery is the gospel transubstantiated into the flesh and blood of paganism under a few of the accidents of Christianity. That's from the papacy by Reverend J.A. Wiley, page four. Now, does the church admit this? I am reading to you from one of the highest authorities of the Roman Catholic Church, Cardinal Newman, who wrote the book entitled The Development of Christian Doctrine, printed by London, Longman and Green and Company in 1906. In it he says, and I quote, confiding then in the power of Christianity to resist the infection of evil and to transmute the very instruments and dependages of demon worship to an evangelical use. What's that? Here this cardinal says we took all the devil worship from paganism and we brought it into the church. Now, is God going to accept devil worship? Does God accept a counterfeit? I continue to quote from the Cardinal. Listen as I read the list of what he took out of paganism. The use of temples and all they're dedicated to particular saints. The ornamented on occasion with branches of trees, incense, lamps, candles, votive offerings on recovery from illness, holy water, asylums, holy days and seasons, the use of calendars, processions, blessings on the field, sacerdotal vestments, the tonsure, shaving of the head, the ring in marriage, turning to the east, images at a later date, perhaps the ecclesiastical chant, all are of pagan origin and sanctified by their adoption into the church. Pages 371 to 373. Oh, beloved, you cannot pawn off on God a substitute. God will never accept a counterfeit. The papal church says we took all of these things from paganism. I have been in India, in Burma, and in China. I have seen the monks, the nuns, and their asylums of paganism. This man, a cardinal, was correct when he said we took it all from paganism. Is God going to accept paganism? Consider the Mass. You have seen it on television where the priest puts on the tongue what is supposed to be the broken body of Christ made into a round circle wafer representing the pagan sun god. 
And did you know that many Protestant churches today are using the round emblem of the sun in the celebration of the Lord's Supper? In doing so, they are making an image to the beast. No wonder God says if any man makes an image to the beast, he will be destroyed in hell fire. Think it over, friend. And what about Halloween? This belief teaches that the dead are supposed to come out of their graves on Halloween night. How is it that Christians can follow this kind of pagan trash? originated by the devil of paganism. This cardinal says, we got our holy days from the pagans. So, what about Christmas? Did you know that the pagans back in Babylon worshipped the sun? They noticed that on the 21st of December that the sun in its orbit was the farthest from the earth. They feared that their sun would go off and leave them, and the world would freeze up, and they would all die. But they also noticed that on the 25th of December, the sun began to make its way back in orbit toward the earth, and they said, our sun god has been born anew. Thus, December 25 became the birthday of the S-U-N, in old pagan Babylon. How can Christians celebrate a day of satanic origin which was adopted by Papal Rome, the seed of the dragon, and called Christmas? Christ Mass. And what about Easter? Easter is not the day that Christ arose. Absolutely not. Easter is always determined by the first Sunday after the full moon, after the sun passes the equinox. It is a day like Christmas, which the pagans in Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome had worshipped their sun through the centuries. And when the pagans came into the Christian church, they said, we are going to bring these customs with us. But does God accept a counterfeit? You will never find this preacher going up on a hilltop on Easter morning to watch the sun come up. That is paganism. Oh, I could go on. When you go into a Catholic church, you will see the people dip their fingers into holy water. There is nothing in the scripture about holy water. The cardinal honestly states that he got all these things from demon worship, even the wedding ring in marriage, which is a circle representing the S-U-N. Beloved, this is why you never see me or my wife wearing a wedding ring. These things are of the dragon. God is looking today for people who will separate from the traditions of Babylon and obey only Christ, the Son of God. In Revelation 12:17, we read of today's battle on this earth between the people of God's true church and the dragon. It says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, 
The great spiritual war now taking place is soon coming to a great climax. God says, don't worship the beast, don't receive his mark, don't have anything to do with his image, come out of her, my people. So believe me, won't you share these tapes with your loved ones, your neighbors, and your friends? And always use the visual aids of the beast with the woman, so that the people who listen can see the struggle between God's true church and the papacy. My friend, which side are you following? God will never accept a counterfeit, and neither can you pawn off on God a substitute. He is calling for you to separate from Babylon. Come out of her, my people. God is calling for a people in these last days who will so completely separate from paganism that there won't be a taint of pagan worship in their life. And such people Christ will take to heaven when he comes. Let us pray. Dear Father, help everyone who hears this message to determine to obey God and never to worship the beast or his image or receive his mark. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen. Now, friend, don't miss the next exciting tape, number three of this series, which is entitled Five Words Astounding the World. And I promise you, you will hear facts that you have never heard before in your life. God bless. Then sings my